to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. can do the miraculous supernatural if we will just release him into our worlds and let him touch our lives. Amen. I'm excited tonight. I want to give you three principles. I'm actually doing something tonight that I've very seldom done before. I'm going to give you the basics tonight and we're going to slam into this Sunday morning. What do you mean? I'm going to give you an outline tonight and then Sunday morning we're going to fill it all in. Because as I was preparing this message today, something in my spirit said, this is a word for Sunday, not only to tonight. And I said, well, God, how do you want me to do it? And I really feel the Lord showed me how we're going to do this message. But I want to talk about three principles. Now, when we talk about a principle, it's not something. Well, it is something that we can choose to either follow or not. But you know what? When we're talking about godly principles, we better make the right choice, and that's to follow them. Come on. When God has a principle for our lives, how many knows that whatever God has, it's good? Because he wants to bless us. He wants to further our lives. He wants to produce fruit in our lives. So he may have to trim us down and prune us back a little bit. But the principles that we see in God's word are to strengthen us, to establish us and to encourage us. We've been looking at fasting. and Of course, that's what we are going to talk about tonight. But I want to bring other, two other key players into the picture tonight. Not just fasting But we're going to talk about two other key players. In the Word of God, beginning in Matthew chapter 5, and you can turn to Matthew chapter 6 and then you'll be ready for us because we're going to read the whole chapter of Matthew chapter 6 tonight. Is that okay? Going to read the whole chapter. And as we look at beginning in chapter 5, we read the title of the Beatitudes. This is a sermon that Jesus taught the people of that day. And the things that Jesus taught, the principles that he spoke about that day, came into conflict with what the people of that day and how they lived. You see, Jesus came in and demanded things from their lives that they didn't even want to give. But you see the principles of this. So there was opposition to Jesus' teaching. But he began to teach them the Beatitudes. Now, a lot of us just think the Beatitudes is from Matthew 5, verses, I think it's, that 3 through 12, blessed are those and blessed are the meek, blessed are... But you've got to realize the actual whole message that Jesus taught was Matthew 5, 6, and 7. That is the whole message of the Beatitudes. And think about that word, Beatitudes. It's attitudes that need to be in every one of our lives. But in Matthew chapter 6 specifically, we see three key principles that God shows us need to be present in our daily lives. So let's begin, if we would, in chapter 6 and verse 1. If you don't have your Bibles, you can follow along on the screen. 
It says, take heed that you do not take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have had their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Or if you're left-handed, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Okay, you with me? You still there? Verse 4, that your charitable deed may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Verse 5, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say unto you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you even ask Him. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father which is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth that is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say unto you, they have their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face. Brush your hair, put on your makeup, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but lay up yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore, if therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other, or else you will be loyal to the one and you will despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Verse 25, Therefore I say unto you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not more of value than they? 
Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to your stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. Neither do they toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. What an incredible passage that we just read there. There are so many things that Jesus touched on. So many different areas and so many different thoughts. But I want to give you the three principles that I believe that we see in this passage of Scripture tonight. And that is this. When you give, when you pray, and when you fast. Read again with me, if you would, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 2. It says, therefore, when you do a charitable deed, when you give, is what that means, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may have glory from men. For surety, I say unto you, they've got their reward. But when you do a good deed, a charitable deed, when you give, Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That your charitable deed may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. We're going to see tonight on these three principles that we've talked about that he warns or the warnings are the same. Don't be like the hypocrite. Don't be like those who just put on a show, but really underneath there is no meaning or precedence to what they are doing. He also goes on to say, if you do things like that, there you go, you've got your reward. See you, go home, you've got it. But he also says these words, if you do these things in secret, the promise is that God will see those things and God will reward you in the open, in the open, in the open. What we've got to realize is this, and I hope you've already realized this. A true Christian will be a giver. A true Christian will be a giver. Looks for every opportunity that they can to give, not only to God, but also to give out and serve others around. Towards the end of last year, we talked about the blessed life. How many remembers talking about the blessed life? And we talked about the blessed life in the regards to the way we give. But yet it wasn't just in our tithe and how we give to God. That was the starting point. But we realized that there is a blessed life that we can find in God that goes beyond our tithes and offerings as we give our lives away to others around, as we serve those. As we're in this fast, I think it's very important that we also understand the other principles that accompany this. And that is the importance of giving of ourselves. Because here's what can happen in a fast. 
We can get so centered in what's going on in our lives, what we don't have, the pain, the sacrifice, what we're believing for and looking for that what happens? We forget the needs of others around us. God, give us eyes to see. That's my prayer. Give us ears to hear. Give us feet that will go. To what? That will go and meet the needs of those around us. Giving should be a part of our everyday lives. There's such a source that can be released, I believe, into your life as you give. I was thinking about this today. It's amazing. A lot of the principles of God seem to be backwards to us. Why? Because to give, you will receive. I mean, that doesn't make sense. I mean, to go without something, how are you going to get back? You know, when I'm thinking, well, if I'm not eating, I mean, I'm the one that's suffering. What can be beneficial of that? So many of the things of God appear to be backwards to us. But the problem is, you see, we're dealing with our state or our economy when it comes to giving instead of his economy. Because when we give, there are blessings that we know will come back. And when we give, God says, the things that we see in secret, God is going to reward openly in our lives. So we look at the first principle of our lives that needs to be giving, giving, giving. Doug said it so well tonight. He said, you can never afford not to give. That there are things in our lives that God has blessed us with, but they are tests to see if we will honor Him. Come on, a principle. Are you given? When you give. The second principle that we see and we read was in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5. It says, and when you pray, and when you Pray. What does he go on again to say? Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't do it. Don't because they've got their reward. But when you do it in secret, God will reward you openly. Billy Graham was on Larry King Live one night and he was asked a question. And the question was this. What's the biggest struggle that you face in your life? What's the hardest thing that you find to do? And I would have never guessed Billy Graham's answer. But the answer that Billy Graham gave was this, to pray. What's the biggest struggle? What's the hardest thing for you to do in your life? And he said these words, to pray. Why did he say those words? He went on to say why and explain why. Because he said, when I begin to pray, he said, every distraction... And every opposition that there is out there begins to come against me. Why? Because the devil knows the power in prayer greater than we, the children of God, know the power that we have and the source that there is through prayer. You see, we've talked about this a lot. If we're just fasting and not praying, we're just really dieting. Because prayer is the power source behind the fasting. Fasting is just setting and dying to yourself. But prayer is that which will fill you up as you conversate with God and as you communicate with God and allow God to build you up. There's a power in prayer. Listen to this. When ordinary people begin to pray, extraordinary things begin to take place. 
There's an incredible tool that's available for every one of you through the internet that I believe will really help you also with your fasting. And I'm not just talking about Pastor P's book. But there's a tool that you can go to awake 21, the letter 21.org or the numbers 21.org. Every day at 6 a.m. and noon and at 6 p.m. They have devotions that are given by ministers all over the world. And it's such a strength. And if you can't make it at those specific times, they're on demand. So you can go back and they're archived and you can look at them. But this afternoon, I was watching Kevin Gerald. He spoke this morning in the devotion. And Kevin Gerald began to speak about knowing God through prayer, talking to God. If Jesus said it's important or a principle, we need to learn how to really talk to God. And in this short devotion, he gave seven inhibitors of why we struggle. Because the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17 that we are to pray continuously. Now, we know we can't be on our knees and close our eyes 24-7. We'd never get nothing done. But he talks about a state or an attitude of prayer that our lives need to be in. But he listed down this morning seven inhibitors that will hinder us in our prayer life. Things that we need to get over. I want to give them to you really quickly tonight. Is that good? Number one, you don't have to be alone to talk with God. You don't have to be alone to talk with God. You can talk to God in your workplace. You can talk to God in the hallways at school. You can talk to God in the grocery store. Now, it's probably not a good thing to shout out and really mutter and talk really loud because people maybe can think you're a fool. But wherever you're at, in whatever circumstance, if you're going to wait for a quiet time to talk to God, you're probably not going to find much time. Especially if you've got kids. Never really a quiet time. And by the time you get the quiet times, you're so tired and wore out that at best, really, what you have to give to God is second best at the best. So think about that. You don't have to be alone to talk with God. Make your car a sanctuary. Make that car. A lot of you are driving maybe sometimes an hour a day, 30, 40 minutes in the morning, 30, 40 minutes at night. What an opportunity to make your car a sanctuary of prayer that you can be praying for people, praying for your life, praying for needs. The second myth or, or misconception or inhibitor that we have could be this. You don't have to get away from your daily routine to worship him. It's not a case that you always have to shut yourself away. The Bible speaks of that prayer time where you should get away and, 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 and focus in on God. But you can still praise and worship God. You can still pray and talk to God in your daily routine. When you're cutting the grass, get an MP3 player, put on your earphones and listen as you're mowing the grass. When, as I said, as you're driving in your car, use these times. Anywhere, anytime you can talk to God. Nowhere, nowhere is closer to God than where you are at right now. Think about that. Nowhere is closer to God than where you're at right now. We just need to pray. Number three, 
You don't have to know people or touch people to pray for them. Have you ever been driving down the street and all of a sudden just something came across you and you just felt led to pray for someone that you maybe have known but you haven't seen them or heard from them for years or years? Come on, you don't have to be there to physically lay hands on them and pray for them. Maybe God will instill and drop into your heart to pray for someone you don't even know. I like what Kevin Gerald said. He said these words. He said, all you have to do, he said, is raise your hand up. He said, aim and release. Just aim and release. God may lay it upon your heart to pray for people you don't know right now. I'm telling you, one day you're going to know them. If not here on this earth, you're going to know them in heaven as they come up to you and say, thanks for that prayer because it changed my life. You may say, oh, that's not possible. Listen, never underestimate the power of prayer. Every one of you are here today because someone prayed for you. Someone prayed for you. Someone raised their hand up and aim and shot and released and you didn't even know it. But someone prayed for you. Number four, you don't have to talk loud to get God's attention. I've been in services before where it seems a competition of who can shout the loudest. God's not deaf. God is not deaf. There is not more power in your prayer the more decibels there are in your prayer. Now, when I say things like that, you don't have to talk aloud to get God's attention. But remember this. Jesus says these words. When you pray, say. There is power, I believe, in speaking your prayer. If you can speak it out, don't pray in silence if audible is an option. Now, again, don't be obnoxious with it. If you're in a grocery store and you're praying, you can be praying to yourself and walking along. You don't have to be obnoxious and shout and scream because for one thing, you're not going to do us any help. You're going to turn people away from God. But think about that. You don't have to talk loud. For God to hear you. Number five, you don't have to speak eloquently to be heard. Well, you know, Pastor P, I can't pray like you. I can't spell that. No matter how I've spelt it, you would not want it spelt that way. You don't have to speak right to be heard by God. R I G H T. Have you used that one? Well, I just can't pray like such and such. I just can't pray. I wished I could pray like them. I wished I could do this. and I, I wished I could do that. Aren't you glad that God doesn't have to have it all perfect? A, B, C, D, E, everything lined up. If we say amen at the beginning and say dear Jesus at the end, he still hears our cry. Because after all, it's the heart cry that he really hears. Number six, you don't have to talk long. For God to know something is important to you. Think about that. You don't have to talk long for God to know something is important to you. I think these are really things that really help us because there's principle or a principle here that God says we need to pray. But yet we forget we can pray in our workplace. We can pray in our car that we don't have to give long winded prayers for God to hear. God knows just a cry. Do you know a cry of just Jesus can be as powerful of a prayer as someone who stands and prays the most beautiful prayer for 30 minutes? Jesus, help me. 
We don't have to cry long prayer. What was the prayer of Jabez? God, I pray that you would bless me indeed, that you would increase my territory or whatever it was and that I wouldn't bring harm. It was just a quick prayer. But you know what? The Bible says God heard that prayer. When Jesus stood at the tomb of Lazarus, Think about us. If we're standing at a tomb about to raise someone from the dead, I think we would have our best prayer prepared. I mean, we would try to be impressing people right from the beginning. You know what Jesus prayed at the tomb of Lazarus in John 11, 41 and 42? He says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of these people who are standing here, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Really, all Jesus said was this, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. Everything else was for the people around. What a simple prayer. But all of a sudden, Lazarus hears inside of the tomb. Come on, buddy, get up, get out. Your time is not yet. Just a simple prayer. A simple prayer. Our day needs to be just encompassed with simple prayers. Work things out of thoughts that you can just go through your day. Lord Jesus, just put favor upon my life. I loved it tonight. Brittany got in the car and, and a scary thing, but Brittany's going to start driving next week to school. And, uh, and, you know, and she gets, there's parking passes that they have to give you. Well, all the parking passes are gone. So the principal comes into her classroom today. So Brittany goes up to the principal and says, excuse me, ma'am, can I ask you a question? I need a parking pass. And the principal looked at her and said, if it was for anyone else, I would say no. But for you, I'll say yes. That principal doesn't know Brittany. It's not like she's in her office every day. I hope not anyway. But you know what Brittany said to me when she got in the car? Dad, that was favor. Favor. I I demand favor over my life every day. I speak favor over my family, my kids, everything I have. When I walk into a restaurant, wherever I go, I expect favor. Why? You've heard me say it so many times. Not because of who I am, but whose I am. I'm a child of the king. And God takes care of his own. But you see, simple phrases like, God, place your favor upon me. God, protect me. Don't pray a prayer like, God, will you go with me today? Because God will always go with you. A lot of times we pray wrong. What you need to pray is, God, may I sense your presence with me today. Just get those simple prayers that throughout the day that you can just usher out of your mat, just welcoming God into your world. And last but not least, you don't have to deserve an answer to prayer to receive one. I'm going to say amen right there. I don't deserve it. Come on. None of us are worthy in any way. None of us are deserving. If God gave us only what we deserved, we wouldn't even have had the gift of salvation given to us. Because we don't deserve it. Aren't you glad that God answers your prayer even though you don't deserve it? Even though sometimes we don't deserve the answer, we'll receive one. All we have to do is Matthew 7, I believe it's, it's 7 and 8, is it? Matthew 7, somewhere in there, it says, all we've got to do is ask, seek and knock. And the thought is, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep asking, keep believing God. So what do we see when we, what was the first one? When we give. When we give. Principle. Second thought was when we pray. And the last principle that we're going to look at tonight is this. When we fast. When we fast. 
Some people have asked me, Pastor P, is, is fasting really scriptural? Yes, it is. It's a principle that Jesus laid out. If it's something that Jesus himself felt the need to do, I'm telling you, we need to do it too. Jesus lived on this earth for almost 30 years or 30 years. But at the end of that time, and when he knew it was time, the first thing he did was he found John who baptized him. But then after that baptism, the Bible says that he was driven into the wilderness. And for 40 days and 40 nights, he had no food, no nourishment, no one around him. The Bible says that after 40 days, Satan came and he tried to tempt Jesus to use his powers in ways that he should not have used them. Turn the stones into bread. That was a good place to start after he hadn't eaten for 40 days. He began to look at those rocks and began to get saliva running down his cheeks. They kind of looked good. But you see, the temptation came. But what happened? As Jesus overcame each one of those temptations, the Bible says angels came to minister him. But something greater is said after that. After that. Jesus' ministry began. It was a birthing place. It was the beginning of the assignment that he had. He lived 30 years and lived great life because the Bible says he knew no sin. That didn't just start when he was 30 till three, three and a half years while he ministered. He was sinless from beginning to end. An incredible life. The people around him must have been blown away at just how he was, his obedience and just everything about him. But it wasn't until he went into a wilderness experience and fasted that God said, okay, now you're ready and you can be released. So if Jesus fasted, if Jesus prayed, he's leading the example and showing each one of us why we should pray. Matthew 6, verse 16, I like how it says, the verse, first word says, moreover, moreover. That to me says, more important. Come on. That to me says, hey, there's an exclamation point here. There's a big arrow and bright flashing lights that's saying, look at this over here. Oh, we can give and we can pray. But God says, moreover, when you fast. When you fast. What does verse 18 say? He that sees in secret will reward you openly. I love God's word. Because you see, when I live the principle of giving God's way, when I pray God's way, and when I fast God's way, God promises open rewards for our lives. I said, God promises open rewards for our lives. We know that fasting is refraining from food for spiritual purposes. But I also want to give you tonight a few other key points that I believe is so important about fasting. And we're going to jump into these more on a Sunday and go into more depth. But the key points I want to give you tonight is this. Fasting is an awakening. It's like an alarm clock that's going off in the morning. It's stirring your spirit. It's stirring your soul. It's awakening. I believe the church of God more than ever needs to be awakened. If you don't amen me, I I believe my life needs to be awakened. 
I'll say amen to my life. I can't speak for yours. I know you do, but I can't, conf- I can't force you. Fasting is an awakening for our lives. It's a stirring in our spirit. Why? Because fasting takes us back to the source. What is the source of living? What is the source of power? Well, it's my job. It's the position I have. It's the this. and We've got so good at believing that those things are our source. But you see, that's why it's important to give. Because why? We give because we know who our source. We give to our source. If we give that 10% to God, the promise is He'll redeem the rest. The 90%. And that 90% redeemed goes a whole lot further. I'm going to say it this way. Than 200% unredeemed. So what do we see? Additional thoughts of fasting. Fasting is an awakening. Fasting takes us back to the source. Number three, fasting breaks the mold of mediocrity. Oh, that would do. That's good enough. (laughs) Go to church on Wednesday night. Forget that. I already go on Sunday. There's a mediocrity that we have settled into, a complacency that I believe God is saying it's time to shake. It's time to awake. It's time to come back to that source. It's time to realize that there is power that God can give you life. Don't worry, Alicia, if you don't get it, be back Sunday and I'll give it to you again and you can grab it or I'll give it to you afterwards. Fasting is also, here you go. The next thing that fasting is this. Fasting is to celebrate his mercy and his forgiveness. It's a time for us to celebrate. It's a time for us to die to the flesh and die to the self and realize the reason we can do that is because of the cross. He died for us. Fasting is a time where we can celebrate. Oh, a lot of people don't understand the word celebrate when it means fasting. I mean, that's miserable and depressed. I'm fasting, for goodness sake. It's a time to celebrate. It's a time to rejoice. When people ask you how you're doing, you tell them never been better. You may be hungry in the flesh, man, but your spirit, man, it's rising to the surface and you are proclaiming the blessing and favor upon your life. How are you doing? I've never been better. Or answer them as Mr. Huss says, if I was doing any better, I'd have to be twins. It'd have to be two of me. Why? Because fasting is a time where we can celebrate the fact that we are forgiven. Why, do we, why can we say that? Because in the Old Testament, the reason they fasted was for repentance. They fasted for repentance. But now we're not fasting for repentance. We're fasting as a celebration of the mercy and the forgiveness that he has given to each one of us. Are you with me tonight? Next point is this. Fasting is about drawing closer to God and surrendering your life in a deeper level. Drawing closer to God through surrender. Beautiful picture right there. Coming closer to God through surrender. Again, in our minds, it's crazy. How can I get closer to God if I'm giving up, if I'm surrendering, if I'm yielding? But that's how we get closer to God. Next point is this. Fasting is the womb of not only conception, but birthing. Think about that. Fasting is the womb. It's like the incubator. Not only of conception, but of birthing. I believe there are going to be some things during this fast that are going to be conceived inside of you. 
some seeds that are going to be dropped inside of you, that it's not time to be released. But you know what also we're doing as we fast and we set aside these first few days of this year, we're also fasting and believing for the rest of this year. I believe today you may not have all your answers after 21 days. You know what, God, I don't want all my answers after 21 days. Why? Because there's other things throughout the year I'm going to need answers for, but I'm preparing. Why? It's a womb of conception. But it's not only things that are going to be conceived inside of me that are going to be birthed down the line. But I'm believing during this time as I fast that there is going to be a birth and there's going to be a new assignment. There's going to be a new passion. There's going to be a new fervor. There's going to be new direction. Doors are going to be opened in your life. Come on, I'm believing that fasting will produce a birthing inside of your life. And last but not least, fasting is the next step. I like that. It kind of speaks for itself. It's the next step. When you don't know what to do, fasting will take you to that next step, to that another level. But remember this, different levels, different devils. There's going to be some struggles and hardships wherever we go. But the promise is this, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You see, if we want a closer walk with God, we've got to follow the principles of God. God says, when you give, you need to be a giver. Come on, I say this again. You need to be a giver. God's word also says this. When you pray, you need to pray. You need to pray. He also said, moreover, when you fast, give Pray fast. Give, pray fast. Don't get so focused on just going without that you fail to give. Don't get so focused on the sacrifice that you fail to pray and seek God. Because after all, prayer is the power source that will release the anointing and the blessing and the favor and the wisdom the direction, all the things of God that we need in our lives. Come on, if you receive that tonight, say amen. Come on, say amen if you receive that tonight. Come on, when we give, when we pray, and when we fast. During this time, I'm believing for great things to take place in your life. Great things to take place. What I want to do is I want to pray for you. And then just before we close the service, I'm just going to open up for a few moments if anyone's got any questions or any testimonies. And if you've got a testimony, just keep it brief so we can get as many in and we don't drag it out. But I want to pray for you tonight that God would just touch your life. Would you pray with me tonight? Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray that there are principles from your word that cannot be ignored. And God, I believe tonight we have opened up three principles that we need to see. God, we're going to revisit them in a greater depth on a Sunday morning because there's something here that we've got to discover from your word. But God, when we give, when we pray, and when we fast, God, we're walking in the way that you want us to walk. God, we're walking in the pattern. God, we're following principles, guidelines of living that will produce great results in our lives. God, perhaps tonight we're a little bit stagnant. Perhaps there's a blockage and things aren't getting through to us. Why? Because, God, we haven't given. Because, God, we're not in prayer. Because we haven't fasted. God, I pray, God, as we adhere to these principles, as we follow these principles, God, that you'll change our lives. 
You'll reshape us. You'll refashion us. You'll reform us, God. You'll do things within us that God would just go beyond our wildest dreams and our greatest expectations as we'll see you move, as we'll see our lives changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Anyone got any prayer requests tonight or anything or not prayer requests, testimonies, questions, anything like that in regards to fasting? Yes, sir. We come over here. Um, I experienced the movement of God this week. I had uh, went on a fast. We started the fast Monday. And I had, uh, I was with my neighbor. We prayed every day. And we all prayed for each other. And I had just told my neighbor, I said, Lord, all I have is $15, and I have to put it in the tank of the car. And I had, she asked me to take her somewhere. And I said, sure, but all I have is $15 to put in the car. So, and then we ain't had that much food. So I went up there, and I said, uh, I'm going to go see what I got for us to eat, for everybody to eat. And I'm going to go and see, could she bring you to go do what we got to do? So I went up there. I put the gas in the car and everything. And I was looking at my wife when we got home. She was, I said, uh, I don't have no more money. Just like that. I got home, looked in the mail, and had a check that was supposed to be for me way back in Christmas that I didn't much focus on. I wasn't worried about it. It was just that I didn't, you know, I just had them spit the money. And I said, where did this come from? You know, I didn't know. You know? God provided. God provided. Isn't that awesome? How many likes checks in the mail? Come on. Checks in the mail. How many likes those envelopes with no windows on them? Huh? With the perforated lines. There you go, Ryan. Any other questions or anything in regards to fasting or anything? I have one question. Um, How do you fast if you're like hypoglycemic and if you don't eat, your sugar drops? Good answer to that. Good answer to that. See our nutritionist and she can help you. Denise, but here's the situation is if there are health issues that you do have, you've got to be very careful. But I will also say this, that fasting has been proven to heal certain things too. So don't push things aside and say, I can't do those things. Such as someone's asked me before, how can I fast when I have to take medication? Should I not take my medication? I said, I can't tell you to do that. If it's something that you need, then you need to. But again, whenever even you go on the Daniel fast, if that's what you're on, the whole thought or the whole idea shouldn't be anyway, whatever I eat, I'm just stuffing my face. Whatever you do, whether you're not eating or whether you are eating, the thought still needs to be the same. And that is this. I'm still dying to the flesh and dying to the self. So what I'm doing is in the Daniel fast, I'm eating just enough to sustain me, not to pig out and put on weight. So again, with that hyperglycemia and stuff, I don't really understand all that because I know there's a lot to deal. But I know that Denise can help you. And, and, but you've got to have wisdom with things like that. And ask God to help you too. And I'm telling you, God will show you what to do and what not. But don't beat yourself up. Because, again, I talked to someone today. What are you fasting? Fasting coats. 
you know. Kids are fast in TV games or video games and all these kind of things. There's other things that you can fast. Maybe just turn the TV off for a week or so, you know. There's other things that, here's the thought, if it means something to you, it's going to mean something to God. So don't beat yourself up with that. That's a great question. But Denise, can you help her at the end? That's cool. You said something earlier about surrendering and stuff like that. Aren't you supposed to surrender things to God to, I don't know, fix, not fix, but better? In what way? What are you talking about? I don't know. I got real confused with that. That's why I was, that's why I'm asking. Okay. Um, I'm trying to like think of Like if I want to surrender, I'll just throw it out now. If I want to surrender my marriage. Okay. And say, God, help me with this. I'll surrender it to you. Is that the right way to surrender with the fasting? You've got to understand this. Any time that you surrender, think about surrender. The first act of surrender is what? Raise your hands. Okay. That's known as total surrender. What is total surrender? Total surrender. If Bishop puts a gun in my back and says, surrender, what am I doing? It's I am becoming whatever he wants me to become. Now, what I want and what I want to do is no longer even the question anymore because it's what he wants and what he does. Now, in our natural, we get afraid of that because we think, well, if I surrender to God, God may make me go to Africa to be a missionary. Oh, God may make me do these things that I don't want to do. You've got to remember this. God created you with a purpose and a plan. Right. To live outside of that purpose and plan, you may say, well, at least I haven't surrendered to God. But you're never going to live the fullness of your life. You find fullness in your life when you surrender your life to God and say, God, take what I have, who I am. It may not be much, but God, as I give it all to you, what happens? God then blesses that. He can then use that because God can't go against your will. He won't fight against it. So what surrender really is saying is, not my will anymore, yours to be done. And don't be afraid. A lot of people have been afraid and said, well, what if God, what if God has the best for your life? That's what you've got to tell yourself. God's not going to make you do anything that, I don't want to say that you don't want to do. There's some things that we need to do that we don't want to do. But God's not going to make you be someone that he hasn't made you to be. You're going to step into a, the just an incredible blessing in your life and fullness as you surrender and yield to God. Strength and surrendering to God. And that's why I said everything's backwards almost with God because we think if I yield and give, then all of a sudden blessing. But we've got to realize that in God's economy and in God's way, I'm telling you, things are completely different. To surrender is your place of greatest strength. It really is a blessing in your life. Does that help? Cool. Any other questions tonight? Anyone? 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 Danny. Trey's running over there, getting his exercise in on his fast. just wanted to share a testimony. I appreciate the words you said earlier, too. But uh, one of the things I put on, you know, it's been my prayer and fasting was to open some doors in ministry in, uh, in that area. I have a real heavy heart for young people that have had alcohol addictions, that, you know, all kinds of drugs. You know, there's so many people, but I hadn't even got to talk with you about it. We've talked about several other things, and I don't know if Mom mentioned it or not. But uh, yesterday I was asked, and I got to talk with Doug briefly, but uh, we're going to be going into the Greenwell Springs Hospital. They have a deal for young men and women, and uh, being able to go in there and share the gospel with young men. And uh, so our faith family is going to have a 
at least one and maybe more men going in there and sharing the, the freedom that Christ, you know, we, God is the judge and he has set us free. We could have had the wrath, but not only has he sat there and taken the shackles off of us, but he's come down off his throne and said, welcome to my family. And that is so, that is something I want to share with these young men. And it's, um, it's really, it's really awesome. I mean, what God's doing, so. And just it's just a testimony. the beginning. Thank just you. the beginning. And just isn't that what we're talking about? Fasting is celebrating his mercy and forgiveness. Because, I mean, Danny will be the first one to tell you that, hey, he wouldn't have chosen himself. But God saw something inside of him, a potential that's inside hope. For over a month now, I've been having a vibrating ringing in my right ear. I don't know what it was from. All I could think of was I was having bad teeth, a tooth problem, which got fixed. But the ring and vibrating just kept going and going so yesterday um at lunchtime when i went to my car and i was praying i just you know put my hand on it and next it just asked god to heal it don't know what was causing it and it just immediately stopped awesome you know and went to where come on yeah awesome you know when i lay down it just like I said, I don't know what it is, but I haven't had any problems since. Awesome. Fantastic. You get me worried, though. I thought you were going to ask me what it was. <laughs> but I have this ring in my This isn't Dr. Phil. This is Pastor Phil. And, but thank God. Isn't that awesome that God's doing great things? And again, just the testimonies that we've heard already in three days. Think what's going to happen in seven days and in ten days. Think what's going to happen 300 days from now as we're almost at the end of this year. Just the testimonies that we're going to see over and over and over again of what God is doing. And please, if there's testimonies in your life, we want to hear about them. I want us to start videoing people's testimonies and playing them before church and during the services. And, and like if, if a wonderful thing happens to Bishop in his life and he's testifying, I want to get him in front of a camera. So you know what I can do? I can give him a DVD of his testimony or I can email it to him. And then what can Bishop do? Bishop can email it to all his friends and we can touch so many people with the power of the gospel. That's how powerful it is. A testimony is such a weapon. Anyone else tonight? Just before we close service. But just be encouraged. How many are reading the daily devotion and, and working through it? How many prayed for pastor and the leaders yesterday? Thank you. Appreciate that. And um, But again, that awake21.org is an incredible tool also that will really help you uh, and, and just see you through. I don't know, is the book online too? There's a daily devotion. Okay. But you can order the book. They've got a book too that really helps. Um, if you're, if one of your, um, if one of the things that you're fasting for or praying for um, is for us to have a new location or for uh, our church to grow, um, I encourage you to go to twenty one uh, awake twenty one dot org and watch Jensen Franklin's message last night. These devotionals are only ten to thirteen minutes long. It's not, it's about three minutes of praise and worship from. Um, I think it's Celebration Church that does it, and then um, the last seven minutes are a devotional from. Brian Houston and Dino Rizzo and uh, Jensen Franklin and, you know, Stovall Williams, all these, you know, really amazing pastors. And so, but if that's something that you're really believing for, that we would get a new location, go and watch Jensen's uh, message last night. It was really good. Awesome story. He was in California. And um, I'm not going to tell you, go and watch it for yourself. But God just provided an incredible tool. And now they're running, I think, 1,800 or 12 to 1,800 people every Sunday night. 
he pastors in Georgia Sunday morning, gets on a plane, flies to California and preaches now at four o'clock and six o'clock in California on the West Coast. Incredible. And he does that every weekend with his family. And um, wow, you know, God's, I really feel led for Hawaii. I'm going to be here Sunday morning and then in Hawaii on Sunday. But I look at Kelly and I say, man, that has to be a God thing because to go and do something like that for a month or two months would be fun. But for a year and a half now to get all your family and travel, and that, that, that's tough. And you've got to know that you've heard from God and he, he has heard from God in that situation. And that would be a struggle too, pastoring a church from East Coast to West Coast. I mean, that's tough. But that's when you build teams and you get great people around you to help you. And just like what we've got here, great people to help. But hey, listen, I appreciate you all tonight. But remember this, the last thing that we're going to say before we close tonight, and that is this. Again, the number one reason personally why we fast, I hope, is to draw closer to God. But yet, corporately, the number one reason why we're fasting as a church is just to see our church explode with souls, with people to be saved. And tonight, perhaps you are one of those souls that God wants to touch and add to the kingdom tonight. Because you see, this is one thing I'm praying for. I'm praying that we don't just have people in this church that put up their hand and say, can I say the prayer? I want people like Trey. I want people like Stephen and Jessica. I want people like Doug. I want people like so many of you in here that your lives have been absolutely transformed, that there is no shadow of doubt in your heart and life. People like Danny and just Bishop and so many that the lights just came on, that the change was just indescribable, that all you could say is it's God, it's God. I want people to have encounters with God, not just say, Jesus come into my life and leave not changed. I want people to be changed. And God can change you tonight. Is there anyone tonight, just before we close, that you lift up your hand, we're just going to pray with you. That would say, Pastor, pray for me. I want my life to be changed. I want an encounter with God. Is there anyone tonight? Precious Jesus. Let's stand to our feet. We'd like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.